Welcome to the eighth episode of Jesus and Truth, where we will be discussing Jesus and his truth found in the Bible. My name is Daniel Duvall, and I am the minister for the Leeward Church of Christ in Hawaii. I was discussing with someone recently, and they were talking about a park, and as they were describing the park, I was confused. I couldn't follow along with the story. It described nothing of a park that I could think of or have ever seen until I realized that they were not talking about park the location. They were talking about park as in the action you do in a car. Once I realized that, now the story made a whole lot more sense. And so sometimes defining things, explaining things a little bit about what we mean can be extremely helpful in our discussions. Today's lesson, we're going to start with a definition because of that same thing. We're going to be speaking on our topic, the sinner's prayer, and someone might look at that and say, okay, it's a prayer made by a sinner, or any prayer made by a sinner, but we really want to go to a specific definition, which is this, a prayer of repentance by those who feel sin in their life and have a desire to begin a new relationship with God by asking Jesus into their heart. People define this many different ways, but there's really three key things that all of these have in common. All the different ways it's said will have these three characteristics. One, a recognition of sin. It's someone who feels sin in their life, wants to do something about it. Number two, it's a brand new relationship. This is not someone who already is a Christian or already is saved from sin and chooses to pray to ask for forgiveness. This is for a brand new relationship, and that's important. And then third, asking Jesus into your heart. A sinner's prayer, no matter how it's worded, will have these three characteristics and generally that specific phrase of asking Jesus into your heart, inviting Jesus into your soul, something like that. Even the wording synonyms can be used. And now that we know what it is, we have to ask the question, is it biblical? Because in order for something to be biblical, it has to be in the Bible, right? So that's where we'll start. I've been given a few verses as to what the sinner's prayer is or where it may be in the Bible. So let's start with those. The first one is going to be in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. And pay attention. Let's see if we can notice those three characteristics in this verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. This is a beautiful invitation that Jesus makes to the church in Laodicea. That's what Revelation 3.20 is addressing, is there is a church in Laodicea that is in sin, so it fits that characteristics. A characteristic is he's inviting them. Please feel the fact that you have sinned and do something about it. Then secondly, we ask, is this a brand new relationship? But the answer is no. This is written to a church. So these are people who are already Christians, are already saved. So it doesn't meet that characteristic and even though there is an invitation to invite Jesus in metaphorically, there's no reference to hard or anything like that. 
And really, these next few verses kind of fit that. They're not about brand new relationships. They're really about relationships of people who are already Christians, already saved, and praying further. There's an example in Luke 18 that was sent to me, where there is a man who, after going to the temple, goes and he prays. He beats his chest saying, Lord, be merciful, a sinner. But this is also someone who's not starting a brand new relationship, nor is he asking Jesus into his heart. There's an example in Acts chapter 8 where Simon the sorcerer, it says, believes and is baptized. So he is a Christian. He is saved from his sins. Then he commits a sin shortly after that, and he's told to repent and pray. So it is someone who feels conviction of sin, but it's not a brand new relationship and it's not an invitation or accepting Jesus into their heart. 1 John 1, 9 is a wonderful verse that says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And so it does address, again, the conviction of sin, but it's a letter written to Christians on how to fix your life after you sin, once you have become a Christian, and third, again, there's no invitation or accepting of Jesus into your heart. So neither one of these verses fits an example of a sinner's prayer because it doesn't have those three characteristics. Romans chapter 10 is a different story than those verses, and we'll read a few verses in Romans 10 and explain why. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, leading to righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, leading to salvation. For whoever, one, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. At some point, I'll get good enough to put the verses on the screen for you. This is one that would be helpful because it's a little longer, but I'll try to break it down and follow it. You could always rewind if you need a more helpful explanation or a refresher on the explanation. What does this have? One, it is something that someone who is convicted of sin should do. They should believe in their heart. They should confess Jesus as Lord. They should call on the name of the Lord. So it does fit that. And unlike the other verses, this is instruction for people who want a brand new relationship with God. This is some a instruction to someone who is lost and has never become a Christian, has never been saved from sin. So it meets criteria one and criteria two. But where it fails is that third point, the third characteristic of a sinner's prayer. One, there's no accepting of Jesus into one's life, no accepting into the heart. There is a believing in the heart, there is a confessing with the mouth, and there is calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, but none of those are accepting Jesus into your heart because accepting Jesus in your heart is just not a biblical phrase at all. It's not in the Bible. It's just simply not there. As famous as the sinner's prayer is, and the expression especially, it's so popular. Accepting Jesus into your heart is on my Facebook timeline, Instagram posts, constantly used 
in religious circles. You would think that it appears in the Bible like 50 times. But we don't even need it to appear 50 times to be biblical. We just need it once. And you could read Genesis to Revelation. It's not there at all. Wikipedia even recognizes this. And Wikipedia is not a great source of religious information. But sometimes I check it just to find out, hey, what's what does it have to say? And on this specific topic, man, it is spot on. Props to Wikipedia for this. Number one, here's a quote from Wikipedia. Speaking of the sinner's prayer, no such prayer or conversion is found in the Bible. Great observation, Wikipedia. A better observation than many Christians. And the absence of any specific examples of people praying the sinner's prayer in the Bible. Wikipedia knows what many preachers don't know, is that this phrase is not in the Bible, nor is there any example of it being taught, this prayer. There's not, no example of somebody praying this prayer in the Bible. It's just simply not there. It's not biblical at all. It's not something that God created. It's not something that Jesus taught, and it's not something that the Holy Spirit delivered. Jesus didn't come up with this. And so, how does God respond to sinners? We're going to break this into two different lessons, actually, and we'll talk more about the origins of the sinner's prayer in the next video and also address why it's so dangerous. But I really want to first get to how exactly God does respond to sinners. Because Jesus did say in Matthew 7, 7, Seek and you will find. We see an example of this with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. He's praying to God. He is a sinner. He has not become a Christian. He has not been saved. And he prays to God. Acts 10 verse 4, he's told your prayers ascended as a memorial before God. God was pleased with Cornelius's prayer. How did he respond to Cornelius's prayer? Well, God sent a gospel preacher and apostle Peter to go share the gospel with Cornelius and his household, by the way. What a blessing. But how did God respond to the prayer? It wasn't by saving Cornelius directly. It was by sending someone into Cornelius's life who then taught and shared the gospel with him. That's a pattern that's set because Paul, formerly known as Saul, had that same example, had that same experience. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 6, after he's hit by a blinding light on the road to Damascus, the Lord tells him, rise up and enter the city and it will be told what you must do. So the Lord didn't give Paul all his instructions on the road. He said, go to the city, you're going to get some instructions. And in verse 11, Ananias is told, rise up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. So Saul is praying. He's not saved yet. He's not a Christian yet. He still has his sins on him, as we'll read in just a moment. And a response to Saul's praying is, God sends a preacher by the name of Ananias to go teach the gospel 
to Saul to tell him what he needs to do in response to believing in Jesus. When Ananias meets Saul, he tells him this in Acts 22:16. Now, why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Saul was already praying as a sinner, but that didn't remove his sin. That didn't save him. That didn't make him a Christian because Ananias says, stop what you're doing. I know you're praying right now, but you're delaying. You're, you need to quit doing what you're doing. Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's what Saul needed to do. He needed to call on the name of the Lord. How was he to do that? As someone who believed in Jesus, was willing to repent and confess Jesus, he needed to finally get baptized. And after that, he would have his sins forgiven. Before that, he still had his sins on him, despite having an amazing experience with the Lord. So God's response to a sinner's prayer, not the technical one we talked about, but just a sinner praying, God's response to a sinner praying is typically that he will send someone into that person's life to share the gospel with them, to tell them what God's will is. In the Bible, there are simply zero examples of prayers of repentance or people asking Jesus into their heart. That phrase does not exist in the Bible. I can't stress that enough. God responds to the prayers of the lost by doing what? What we do have example for is him sending someone into their life who shares the gospel with them. If you've said the sinner's prayer and are wondering, well, what do I do, Daniel? I can't go back and take that back. What do you do? What do you do next? How do you respond to God's will? What does God want you to do? Well, if you're someone who's prayed and has not obeyed the gospel fully, I reckon I've found you like Ananias found Saul in that same position, where you're someone who has a desire to do what God's will is, but don't know what to do quite yet. And I'll give you those same instructions, because my goal is to do biblical things, to do the things that are found in the Bible. And I'll give you that same encouragement. Why do you delay? Rise up and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on his name. If you need help with that, you reach out. The best way to reach me is at Jesus and Truth on Instagram. I want to thank you for listening. If you're looking for a minister, looking for a church, or looking for an answer to your Bible questions, definitely reach out. Subscribe to easily listen to the next episode of Jesus and Truth, Lord willing. Much love in Jesus. Amen.